about build an environment of pursuing curiosity. You know who you are, who you really are. Like <laughs> you are listening to Everyday Educators on 1921 Radio. Everyday Educators, and we educate every day. Liver. Here we are. Welcome back, loved ones. Welcome back. This is the greatest education platform in the whole wide world. And as Steve Harvey would say, everywhere. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for joining us. We are here. We are back for the final episode of the year of the Everyday Educators Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy, and here is the most beautiful, most melanated, most moisturized woman in the world, Miss Naomi. What's going on there? How you feeling? I am tired, but I'm here. You know, in 2024, we gonna have to do something about this. This is like the, you know, sixth episode in a row, but I feel you. It's also just a couple of days after we recorded the last one, so not much time has passed, but you know how it is in this podcast world. Um, yeah, everyone, catch us, uh, YouTube, Apple, Everyday Educators, don't forget the S, um, socials, hit us up. My question for you, Nay, let's, let's end the year, but kind of start the day with some gratitude. Just what are some things that you are most grateful for this year? Um, I gotta say my husband. I'm very grateful for him. And marriage is very hard, but I like never not feel like I'm a priority for him. And so I think that's very nice. Just all of us non-married folks out there. Um, that's beautiful. Anything else you're grateful for? Um, I mean, I'm grateful for obviously like my family and my friends. But I guess I'm also grateful for like I packed up and I moved away from Chicago and that was sad and hard, but my own choice. Nobody made me. Um, and I'm grateful for my ability to not necessarily bounce back, but create another world here. And so, like, we've talked about this before. Like, I had my life in Chicago, my whole world, my friends, my family. And then, like, I look up. It's three years later and I, I have friends here and I, I have a life here and I, I have a, a career here and it's, I'm grateful for, I guess, like the nudge or the intuition. I kind of always saw myself leaving Chicago. And so um, I guess three years later, I'm, I'm grateful that I did it even with its ups and downs and challenges, I'm, I'm proud of myself and the fact that, like, I didn't know if I could. Yeah. And I didn't know if I would, in six months later, be back at home. Like, that ain't work out. But it did. It's working, and it's good. So I'm, All right. I'm grateful for that. Okay. Um. I have the greatest tribe that's not called Quest. And I am, oh, I'm shaking my camera. Look at my camera shaking. Um, and I'm grateful for them. Um, you are a part of that tribe. And uh, it has made this year possible. It has made this pod possible. It has made, like, you know, everything positive. Um, that has happened, you know, is because of y'all. So if you're listening, for those of you who it applies to, I love y'all. So thank you. We're going to get into our actual factual. For those of you who don't know, 
actual factuals where we cover something that is going on in the news. So today, I would like to ask, um, I know you didn't stay in the dorms at Chicago State, but um, did you spend, you know, some time there hanging out, chilling, kicking it? Yeah. Okay, I got it. I keep shaking my camera. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay. So I lived in two of the many years I was in undergrad. I lived in dorms. So what, in your opinion, just, you know, your lived or observed experience, like what are some benefits of like staying in the dorms? Um, I think this is the theme. I don't know if community is like the theme of our episodes for December, but I would say community is probably the top thing that comes to mind. Obviously, like the ease of moving around you walk to class and walk to get food or whatever but I think the connectedness that you have with the people that you go to school with especially if you are new to college like you all are having these like similar experiences living together together and so um as a person that was kind of like on the outside of that you visit the dorms you have friends in there and then at a certain time you go home you're I was very able, like very much able to see like on the outside looking in like the relationships and the connectedness that people seem to have through the camaraderie of like living down the hall from one another or living in the same building, um, which I think is valuable. I talked about this on the last episode. My mom's best friends from college were her roommates and they're my aunts and like those things carry on for decades. My mom's been out of college over 40 years, but that community that she had um, with those two women in particular, other people as well, has carried on. And I feel like that's what I saw, not living in the dorms, but witnessing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, top of my list was also community. Um, yeah, I think about just, you know, you know, Russ and, we frequently think about just all of the memories and hijinks and shenanigans that happen in the dorms, but those are moments <clears throat> that are like shared experiences, right? Like you can, that is a moment you don't have to explain to, mm-hmm. to the other person because y'all was both there. Um, also think about like the autonomy you have as a young person. Yeah. Um, and the opportunity you get to build responsibility. So with that autonomy, with like, oh, I don't have to go to class, you know? And then you just start learning on how to differentiate, like when you need to go, when you don't need to go, self-regulation and all that good stuff. You know, it took me a while to get there, but we learned. (laughs) Um, So today's actual factual comes from Melissa Korn and Shane Shiflett via the Wall Street Journal. Um, now, did you know, do you, can you guess, I'll say, what is the cost of the average dorm room per year in America? 25 grand. Mm-hmm. So without, uh, this doesn't include the meal plan or, you know, you know, those packages. So just a room not room and board. I think that's how it's called. Room and board is what, but whatever's quantified. Just to live that. The average is between eleven and thirteen thousand a year. Oh, it's cheaper than I thought. <clears throat> now the article from Corn and Shiflet uh, follows Arizona State University, which has invested millions into their student housing. Um, one dorm in particular, a developer invested over fifty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, these include uh, renovating buildings, building new housing, and increasing the amenities available to the students in the dorms. Now, other universities across the country are following suit with offerings including a movie theater and a swimming pool. Again, this isn't for, like, the campus. This is just the people who are living in that one dorm. Speaking of dorms, man, shout out to James Hall. If you know, you know. I stayed in James Hall both at Hampton and at Easter. 
So wow. Shout out to all the James Hall brothers out there. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, so at Arizona State, students can pay a premium for one or all of these options. Uh, apartment style housing for you can get single occupancies you get your own apartment you can even pay a little bit more for a corner room for a better view if you want a better view as if this was uh, the Swiss hotel <laughs> so these options have ballooned cost I got a sad story about the Swiss hotel about the one and only time I stayed there not for the pod but I, <laughs> I only had enough money for uh, the deposit. Like, I, I didn't know, I was young. I didn't know that they took the held deposits. That was like all I had on my card, rough times. But these options have balloon costs to exceed $20,000 a year. Again, this is just for housing. Now, some places, like I said, it's 11, seven, you know, if it's real cheap, but again, as you get movie theaters and you get pools and corner rooms, like you have to pay a grip. Um, now the rising costs have pressured some families to pull money from their 401k to pay their loved ones tuition Mm-mm. and other students. They got to take on, you guessed it more student loan debt. So, my first question is, have you, has all your loans been forgiven yet? No. Did Biden give you the, the ultimate STEMI? Mm-mm. No. He has okay. not. All right. My real question, uh, <laughs> how do you believe that these rising costs will impact future students and their families' decision-making when it comes to, A, choosing to go to college and which college they would attend? I think it will impact them a lot. And colleges are, I was just listening to a, um, it was like a YouTube video and they were talking about college, college enrollment is being impacted. And so smaller schools are the ones that are impacted the most. I don't know if Arizona State falls into that category or not, but um, generally speaking, uh, colleges, smaller schools are really being impacted by enrollment. People are not choosing to go to school um, in droves as they once were. And so um, when you have a, a housing dorm that is rivals like a luxury apartment complex and the price of that, I can really see that being a determining factor because it is a determining factor. Like, can you afford to live there in addition to all your other expenses? So to answer your question, I think it will impact people a lot in their choices. And I, I mean, this is an unpopular opinion, but I am really interested in how college will shake out in the next generation or two because I can... Oh, Jeremy went away. Oh, he's back. Are you back? You're frozen. Uh, you I know. Like you sleep on my screen. Okay. Oh, you're back. And we're back. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Katie interested in where college will go in the next generation or two because college is not what it once was. People are not holding on to it in the way that they once were. It's not the defining factor of if you will have a successful life or not. And so I'm really kind of fascinated by that and interested in like, for example, like Owen, what will Owen's generation, Mm -hmm. how will they look at college? Will it be as important to them? Will they have figured out a different path? I think people are, to your point, very much impacted by the debt. My mom doesn't have student loan debt. She went to school in the 70s. It was very different then. I have a ton of it. Um, And I think people are seeing that. Like, now we're old enough to tell, like, our cousins, our siblings, our nieces and nephews, like, this ain't what you want. Mm -hmm. So either make sure you got the money to pay for it, have something lined up, or figure out a different path. So, 
the question that comes to mind is what what decisions whether by whether well let me say this what decisions both from the institution and from the student and their families right what decisions are being made to ensure that that young person can maintain that quality of life once they graduate because if you can if if going to college means this is the only time you can live in a high rise with a view and have a pool in the theater in your living quarters because of both the debt that you incur there and the decisions that are made there, you know, then maybe it's not the best decision for you. But at another time we can go into it, but I do believe everybody should go to college for a few reasons. Um, but not like this, right? Not like this. So for all of you young folks who are going to school, please look at the options and maybe you can just go outside if you want a better view instead of having a corner the corner room so this time of year there are a lot of lists that are released right top this top that you know a lot of grammy emmy golden globe oscar and the snubs all those wonderful things and we are not going to participate in that way but we are going to communicate you know some of our favorites right some of our favorites some things that kind of stood out to us this year in different categories right hopefully you enjoy it <clears throat> um so nay please let's kick it off we always ask folks about books so what are some books that stood out to you this year um the Black Family's Guide to College Admissions. Speaking of college, I think that's what it's called. But basically, we're gonna review that next year. It is written by two guys that work and two black men that work in college admissions, and they are breaking down every entity of college, which is it's stuff that you don't even or that I haven't thought about it. Obviously, I don't have a kid that's going to college, but. They even talked about like the gender imbalance, which we know as um, people who attended PBIs, um, what they tell you like on the first day, there are seven girls to every one boy. And that is for young men, that's a selling point. Like, hey, it's a lot of them out there. And for girls, it's like, keep your head in the books. Books before boys are, is very real in college. Um, But they... I bring that up because in the book, they talk about how that kind of plays out in college admissions and they talk about athletics and literally it's a very thorough um, guide to college. And so um, it's really interesting. And so I really enjoyed that book and it's opened my eyes to a lot of things in education and admissions in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, I'm trying to think, is there another book? Admission, I know I mentioned this book on here before. Um, That book also stands out because it is by a Black woman that attended a boarding school and her kind of like ups and downs in that process of being there. And her really come to terms about like some of the things that she experienced as uh, racism and not really understanding that they were racist and all the implications of that and like her own family shortcomings. And I mean, we all come to terms with the fact that our families did the best that they could do, but there's still some gaps. Um, and so she is also coming to terms with like her own gaps um in her upbringing through the book so i also enjoy that too because that i think that's something that people don't talk often about like black kids at boarding schools and kind of how that that experience can shape you or not so Mm -hmm. i like that okay 
I'm just really I'm gonna add a book. So um, the book that I'm adding is American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and it is about a uh, black woman who works for the CIA. She is a bona fide spy, and um, she's from Martinique. And so it kind of follows, it kind of like goes in two directions. So it like follows her and like her, uh, just like her current life, some hijinks of, of like getting out of the, the CIA, you know, some, some blue cover and all that kind of stuff. But it also kind of goes back and follows like her <clears throat> and her sister's journey like to America and going back to Martinique to be with their grandmother in the summers and like just some of the challenges that they face, like being Caribbean and being, you know, in America and all this kind of stuff. Right. So very interesting book. Um, I went back this year and reread the Harry Potter series. Really? Uh, yes. Um, you know, I, I like Harry Potter. Um, and I think, Last year, I read a lot of, like, non, what is it, nonfiction? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of nonfiction. And, like, this year, although I have some, like, I was just being attracted to more, more fiction. Most notably, my favorite book of the year is Sweat by Lynn Nottage. She is a playwright. Um, she has... Probably the other two, um, the one story ruined, which I read last year, which was amazing. Um, it is about a brothel in the in the 90s in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And this one <clears throat> is Sweat is set in a a bar, and this bar. Is, is around some manufacturing facility, some plant. And it kind of follows, like, the same, like, crew of people in their, like, intertwined lives. And it kind of goes, like, bounces around in time. Um, but her, the, the way that one to do, like, contemporary, because, like, I don't know for you, but, like, some plays are, like, in the past, right? Mm. Either they're set in the past or they're just written in the past. Yeah. But this one is, like, much more contemporary, like, in the 90s, early 2000s. And uh, the way that she, like, her does, like, character development, like, you feel like you every character. So, um, Lynn Nottage. So let's go to our next category, albums. Oh. Albums. Any albums or it just in music? Because I only have one album on here. Actually, I'm gonna throw in another album. Um, but I do have like some folks that I just kind of discovered. Um, let me think. So I like. Um, obviously I like Anita Baker, so it's been hard for me to like break away from her this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I do really like this rapper called Coda the Friend, and he dropped not an album, but he dropped like a couple singles this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I <clears throat> really enjoyed listening to him. Um, there's another album that I like, but I didn't spend a lot of time with it, but I feel like you're going to say it, so I won't say it. So, okay. it's your turn. Why don't you say it? Because I may not say it. The Killer Mike album. Ah, yeah. That was my, yeah, that was my rap album. So, Go, I, so tell me, tell me, I mean, it's enough love out here for, for the Michael album. No, I, I really enjoy, like I said, I didn't spend a ton of time with it, but I when we're talking about albums, it's like, yes, I, I liked it. I think, uh, so I've referenced this before, but the new blue sun, three stacks. You got me, man. The flutes, brother, the flutes. The, 
<laughs> all the rappers freestyling and rapping over it now is like crazy. But I do think that he he this might be his most sample work moving forward. <clears throat> um so no, I I like I said, it has a lot of utility. I listen to it when I sleep, I listen to it when I'm like doing work that I need to focus on or whatnot. So um so yeah, the Nouveau Sun. Um Michael by Brother Killer Mike. Every time like I go back to the album, it's like a new favorite record. Like, ooh, I like that. Um it it is top you know hip-hop album for me this year so but some folks who I kind of discovered this year um I don't even know if they knew this year but this is like when I tapped into them Tim's like outside of Drake just listening to you know more of her her records and Coco Jones Coco Jones very good very good now to my favorite section because you know i love that this this is one of my favorite pastimes so for you because i know i got a long list what about movies where are you with the movies this year this is hard because I love Tubi movies. I don't know what that says about me. Come on now. Come on. Shout out to Tubi. My sister put me on Tubi. I love. Show Tubi some love. Some Tubi movies. I just, I know everybody has their opinion about Tubi movies. No, they like like Lifetime movies. When I watch Tubi movies, it is like, I'm watching somebody's dream, no matter how bad it is, the writing, the anything, the acting is like, someone thought of this. They put the effort in to bring mm-hmm. their idea yeah. to reality, and like they must. And be they so got proud of themselves. several people to act in it. Huh? They got several people to act in it. That's also yes. the part. And so I, I really enjoy Tubi movies. Anything that stood out? Any any Tubi movies that stood out? Come on, give them some shine now. They they so may not I make the Golden Globes. Any... Well, I won't name any in particular, but I will name a, I think he's like the producer or director of this guy named Dennis Reed. Dennis Reed has a ton of Tubi movies and they all are, um, they're very gritty. Um, but I'm proud of you, Dennis, wherever you are, just know oh, he can I'm hear this. supporting Dennis. you. I'm watching your movies. Yeah. And Matter of fact, if you listening, Dennis, I know you are. Hit us up, info at, every, at Educate Every Day. We want you on the pod. We want we want to hear your educational journey, brother. How you get to Tubi. For all you young directors out here. <laughs> Which I am also, I'm fascinated by. Like This is what I'm saying. How, like, Tubi is it just like a, so Is it like the- World Star Hip Hop? Do you just upload it? Like, man, I dropped another film. Here you go, Tubi. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Um, all right, here we go. Are these in order? These are in order. All right, cool. So I'm going to go from the bottom to the top. So some honorable mentions. So those of you who don't know, I have the AMC stubs, which means for a flat rate, you can go to the movies three times a week. There were several times this year that I, oh, you can go, excuse me three times a week <clears throat> without paying for a ticket each time, right? There have been several weeks where I, like, ran out of tickets because I went to the movies, and I wanted to go see that fourth movie, and I had to wait. So I am a moviegoer. And it's interesting because, like, people say, oh, you love to watch movies. And I was like, no. I like the movie-going experience. Like, I don't watch that many movies at home. But if I'm, if, but the shit, if I'm going to the show which was we say in Chicago or the movie theaters, you know, everywhere else. Um, yeah, that's that's like how I would like to spend two hours. With that being said, some honorable mentions. I think Lakeith Stanfield did his thing in Disney's Haunted Mansion. I think the way that they uh, kind of carried on that tradition from the Eddie Murphy version 
but not like leaning in on that old lore was really good. A movie that I was really, really down on that I'm kind of up on now. The Blackening. The Blackening. Mm. I have turned the page on that film. I had some very big beliefs in the opposite direction on that. Um, And two biopics. Napoleon was good. And Oppenheimer. Those are my honorable mentions. Um, So at number five, a film that did not get a lot of love, but was a fantastic film, told a great story. And I think it was based off a true film, Gran Turismo. Are you familiar? Is that on Netflix? Uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but it, it had a wide release. So it's a video game, right? Gran mm-hmm. Turismo is a video game. And um, I believe it happened in real life, but I don't know. Uh, a car company like was trying to like kind of reactivate itself or whatever. And so they sponsored, they had a tournament for like the best racers. Cause it was like a, the, the game is like based off real world, like simulation. Mm-hmm. So the best racers in the world were invited to try out, to become an actual like F1 driver, whatever. And uh, so it follows this young guy who who did that and achieved it. And it was a really, really good story. Uh, number four, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, part one. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Like, I sat through that three-hour movie, and I w- was highly upset that I have to wait to the next one. I wanted it to just be like, all right, part two, run it back. Um, they cloned Tyrone. Some folks are down on it. I'm I'm big up on it. Um, same thing with the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This was my number one film of the year until recently. And I saw Godzilla minus one. I know. Look at that face. Look at that face. Not only is the movie about Godzilla, which, you know, I like the kaiju. I'm up on the, you know, Godzilla, uh, lore. Also, if you is one of the top shows, Monarchs, Apple TV, really good. Um, but it the character development, the storyline was phenomenal. It was so good. I read the subtitles, and I that was my barrier, you know, to being like the sophisticated Negro that I aspire to be, because I just didn't. I like drew the line at subtitles. I didn't watch anime with subtitles, whatever, but I have grown because of this grown. So those are my top movies. Now I didn't, I didn't have top TV shows on here, but I will highlight one that I just, uh, not just started, but I just got into and it's because of Godzilla and that's Lupin on Netflix. Lupin, this brother, he is French. He is a thief. And, um, it's really good. Uh, and so much so that I'm watching it in French and reading the subtitles and it makes a difference. Like when I turn the English on, it's like, eh. so those are good. Now to the last moments that I would like for us, for you to speak on, what are some of your favorite highlight standout moments of the pod this is our first this will be our 20th episode everyone so what are you know some of your favorite moments Mm. what are some of my favorite pod moments i think one at least for me like having so many people that we know or i know since like I don't always get a chance to like talk to Craig. Mainly it's through you, but to have him on here and have a concentrated conversation for like over an hour, which also serves as like a check-in. Um, 
It was really good. So there, and there's a number of people that we had on here. Like we had Craig, we had my cousin, which I was really excited about. Um, we had some people that like you know that you are friends with that you've told me about, but I haven't met. Um, and that was cool to be able to to get to know those people and connect with them. And most of them are food people, as I am like thinking about it. Um. But I, it just, for me, helps me to still feel like my Chicago network is still expanding, even though I'm not there. Uh, I don't live there anymore. So those are probably my favorite moments, if that makes sense. Um, I'll, again, I'll go in reverse order. One is continuous improvement. I think about, you know, the inaugural episode with Toriano and just the quality of how the show was constructed and the questions that we asked and the quality of the experience of listening and viewing it and everything and kind of what we've done to kind of grow it to what it is here in 20 episodes. I'm excited about the next 20. Um, in that same vein, like the community showing up, right? Man, I'm forever grateful for Sip and Saver making all of this possible. Um, we've had like 12, 13 guests. Everyone who we are connected to and, you know, I love all of you who, who were a part of the show and just kind of uh, creating that foundation that, you know, that everyone else has to follow, right? Um, yeah. I also want to give a special shout out to, you know, my sister, Tracy Hall. She stepped in, you know, when you weren't available. Um, and she has, you know, really been a champion of the pot behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. Again, sip and savor. So uh, just the community, you know, showing up for us. We thank y'all. Um, but it's you, man. It is you, Miss Placio Nelson. Um, oh my gosh, I'm just getting like emotional. It's weird. Are you okay? Yeah, no, I th so um, this all started with my black perspective. My black perspective, I remember paying $25 to have it professionally printed and binded our proposal to each other. It wasn't like to anybody else, but, uh, we had an idea to start a podcast seven years ago and we bought this equipment that we are now putting to use. Um, I forced you to be my friend and you are still here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Here we are. Everyday educate, everyday educators, episode 20. Our goal is to get to a thousand episodes. So we are on our way. I don't know what percentage that is, but, you know, we get there. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go to, like, our main discussion today. And that is uh, Strength Finder. Strength Finders we are going to discuss. Actually, I'm going to re-rock that, that introduction. <clears throat> that really helps. When I do that, when I be like, uh. I'm just because I don't I don't listen to all this shit. I I, I just be like blah 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 blah. blah. I, I'm only I mainly like look and then like if something I'm like okay. I this an edit moment that needs to be edited. All right and wow. Um, so I want to you know transition into like our next segment of the day, the last segment of the last pod. Of the last 2023. <laughs> um, how would you describe your leadership style? Ugh. Um, I would say, I would hope, because these things are always interesting. You have this perception of yourself and then you're like, dang, I hope this is what the other people think too. Like, or am I like totally off base? Um, 
But what I hope my leadership style comes off as is calm, um, thoughtful, and not necessarily like always like, oh, this person is so thoughtful and like a like a kindness kind of way, but like a clear thinker. Like I want to remain calm so that I can make the best decision that I possibly can. Um, and then the last thing I would probably say is like, um, in, intuitive, but also like well-informed, I think is like the, the word I'm looking for. Like I want as much information as I can get on a situation before I make a decision. I don't, I try my best not to make snap decisions. Um, I try to make sure that they are always like well-informed decisions. And then I can stand behind them. Cause I think like, if someone was like, well, why'd you do this? And I'm just like, this is what I want to do. Or this is what I thought was right without being able to back that up is always like in the back of my mind. So it's like, if I have a well-informed, if I make a well-informed decision, I can always stand behind it and defend it if necessary so yeah okay um <clears throat> i agree with those things as i've known and worked with you in several capacities uh i would say my leadership style is a coalition builder coalition builder which for me is like more than just building community but rather like connecting though the strength of those of that community you know those team members if you will um to a purpose or to whatever that main objective is um so kind of building coalition in that way right so we are going to review some of our strengths so we took the high five strength test it's a lot out there you know uh if you use gallup you know, that's also a really good one, um, but we took a free one. So <laughs> um, high five strength test. And so first, Nate, I just want you to kind of go like over your top five. What were the five strengths that you have? Empathizer, thinker, coach, philomath, which I'm not familiar with that word, and storyteller. Philomath is a love of learning. Love yes. Learning. So, all right, say it one more time. Empathizer, thinker, coach, philomath, and storyteller. Okay. I'm not going to ask you to read all of them, but what did they say? Because some of the things that I like about like the strength finders is how they describe what the strength is and, and, in many of them, and I found with these as well, it is kind of beyond what, you know, the surface level of what the title communicates, right? So when it says you are a thinker, what does that mean? Mm, what do they say me, it means? Because I was reading the storyteller one, so let me go up. Thinkers enjoy mental activity, intellectual discussions, and time alone and reflection. They find it difficult to work in teams that tend to act before thinking. Ah, okay. And uh, empathizer, what does that mean? Um, so they have a full definition and a brief definition. So the brief definition is empathizers are great at understanding how people feel and use this sensibility to do good for others. They become frustrated when asked to disregard feelings and focus solely on logic instead. Sounds about right. All right. Um, I'll, okay. So for mine, my top five, top five, shout out to Jada Kiss, top five did a lot. Um, Number one is believer. Number two is philomath. Number three is self-believer. 
Number four is storyteller. And number five is catalysts. And now that I'm rereading it, I am going to pull up. Oh no, where did it go? Okay. Um, I I'll read two of them. Cause I'll, cause we're gonna go into some more. So, um, one that just that I was like, oh, what does this mean, right? What does a believer mean, right? Mm-hmm. So believers. Um, believers actions are driven by core values that cannot to be compromised at the expense of success. Believers get drained if their beliefs and values are questioned or if they have to do something that goes against their principles, mm-hmm. which is different from a self-believer. So self-believers are independent, self-sufficient people who inspire others with their confidence and certainty. They cannot stand when others tell them what to do or try to control their actions. So that's what that said. Um, now, which strength stood out most to you? Um, and why? You know, Storyteller? Why don't you read what, what is a storyteller? Storytellers are masters of communication. They like to host events, speak in in public, and be heard. They suffer in situations where they can't express themselves through words. Now, why did that one stand out to you? Because I, it was, it aligns with how I see myself. I think anybody that knows me knows that the appropriate word choice, how my words come out, um, all of those things matter a great deal to me um and so it was I guess like affirming to see like that also show up in this assessment so for many of the same reasons the one that kind of stood out to me the most was Catalyst um Catalyst love to get things started and are great at creating momentum in stagnant environments they have a hard time waiting and so-called wasting time when they know they could be moving forward and getting things off the ground. First of all, that was hate when they say so-called wasting time because a lot of people waste time. Um, th- and that's my like one of my favorite go-to sayings. Like I could waste my own time. I do not need anybody's help wasting my time. So that was a very accurate momentum this is my judge, you know? So, yeah. Um, any one of these that you don't agree with? Um, No, actually. I felt like it was pretty spot on. The thing that I worry about when you take these is, like, some of the questions I felt like weren't clear. So, I'm like, I don't know if this will give me what I need. But it seems pretty spot on. There's nothing in here where it's like, I don't do that. I don't think that of myself. Um, to that point, I I think it the way that their construction, their way that they construct it, kind of like forces you to like pick. And in some of those, again, I I don't know this for certain. I'm just make taking my best guess how you interpret the question and like an answer like is like reflective of this mm. your processing and not so much like because it's some of the things like i answered one way and then when he asked a similar question but kind of reworded i asked it another way you know um and just for anyone who's interested in taking this i appreciate it like the user interface like you can just kind of slide them mm-hmm. So it was just like, it made it much easier to answer the questions instead of like try to find the bubble or click the right one. That's true because I feel things that I felt strongly about, just like I'm all yeah. the way over here and things bow, bow. that I disagree with or I didn't feel like the opposite yeah. end. So you're right. And again, for my processing, like seeing it on a scale mm-hmm. helped me like, oh, okay, I'm like, I'm like around this area 
especially in relation to the other ones that I was like felt really strongly about. Like I could put it like kind of in the middle. You know, I felt like it was more variability in my uh, being able to answer. Um, all right, we're gonna land this plane on this last question of the year. Um, based on, you know, kind of what you read and going through this process, is there anything that you're going to take away from this and, you know, add or subtract or impact your leadership? Um, I am interested in like some of the other stuff that is in here that you don't get with the free version. So like, there's like a leverage tab, navigate, um, and delegate and so like i'm in, and then for each strength there's like what you should watch out for like i which i imagine is like the pitfalls of the strength or the opposite of the strength um careers and all that stuff and so i'm just interested in like all of it so i think to answer your question i'll probably at some point pay for this so i can just have the complete um overview of what this says about me cool that's content when we come back you can give us the deeper dive to your leadership style um for me i've realized that i am not a servant leader mm. that is a you know very easy answer you know and 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 in some ways kind of empty you know um I'm not going to do everybody's job. Like, I'm just not that guy that's going to get in there, jump in and do it. Um, Cause I don't feel like that's where like I operate in greatness. You know, I believe like there's somebody else who excited to do that. <laughs> you know, Which, I mean, think about it. Like it's folks who don't want to go in a room and like, and, and, and like physically you know play where's Waldo like it's a guy in there who loves statistics he in there you gotta find him and some and some people that just not what they do and I'm like I love it because I love the process like finding that guy is cool but it's like man how many people am I gonna discover along the way mm-hmm. and so um that's kind of what I prefer to do um and so, you know, if obviously if there's no choice, then you're only limited by what you're physically capable of doing. But, you know, that's not my thing. So to that, you know, just like taking this test and others and kind of understanding um, not not only how to communicate, you know, my leadership styles better, my leadership style better, um, but also, you know, really being able to com- communicate my needs as a leader. Like, what do I need to empower, you know, you and, you know, the rest of my team um, to be your own leader. So those are my takeaways. And with that, everyone, thank you for going on this journey with us. Thank you. From the bottom of my hearts, we appreciate you. We cherish and we honor you. Um, this is the Everyday Educators. Please continue to learn, continue to teach. I'm not saying out of the order, but continue to teach, learn, and love one another. Happy holidays. And we'll see y'all in 24th.